You're listening to Dear God, What the Hell. We're your hosts, Amanda and Christina. The purpose of this podcast is to recognize where the white American evangelical Christian church has fallen short and to recommend ways the church can improve. This is a safe learning and sharing space where we are unpacking our own personal experiences with the church and its sometimes toxic theologies and teachings. We recognize that not all evangelical churches are the same. What we share is an expression of our own personal experiences and is not intended to paint a picture of the evangelical church as a whole. We hope that by joining us, you are able to reflect on and unpack your own experiences growing up in the church as well. Thanks for listening. Well, hi, Amanda. Hey, Christina. How's it going? It's going great. My friend Chelsea came in clutch and she's got um, the squeezing things with force. And I guess it's just pictures. It's not video, Uh Um, but it's uh, gripping. Gripping food is the Twitter handle. So you just basically see people like gripping (laughs) food with force. I have an egg. Um, someone took a corn dog and like gripped it, an orange ice cream cone. Oh, well that, that picture is that very viral one of someone taking a picture of their ice cream cone that seagull coming in and eating quite a bit of it. Oh my gosh. That pomegranate though. I got to say for all of our listeners who are like, what the heck? Um, we just actually had a 17 minute conversation about (laughs) ASMR that we trimmed out (laughs) and how my favorite form of ASMR is visual ASMR. (laughs) Yeah, and I wanted to get the Amanda um, so that she could have that. And I forgot that it's not video technically, but it's um, photos. So gripping food and a shout out to Chelsea for coming in clutch with that. Appreciate you. This is amazing. I just found a picture of a seagull grabbing an ice cream cone. That's the one I was talking about. Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. That went viral. Like, I love this so much. Ago. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. Dude. I love that photo so much. I love it. This is literally last night I made um, like a really easy bolognese sauce. And the direction said to rip the tomatoes with your fingers. And it's like a very, it came from a really narrative cookbook where the lady's like talking about like how much she loves ripping tomatoes apart with her fingers. And it like got a little violent because I like squeezed a tomato and it like shot juices everywhere. (laughs) But what happens when you squeeze a tomato? I know. I know. Well, but it was a canned tomato. So like I didn't even expect it to have juice on the inside still, but here we are. So I, uh, yes, gripping food with force. Heck yes. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, we got into the whole ASMR thing because um, I am crafting while we're recording this episode. So, I mean, I can fully pay attention. That's the beautiful thing about crocheting and knitting is I can fully pay attention to multiple things. That's uh, kudos <laughs> to kudos to being uh, able to multitask. But also, uh, I swear to God, I'm undiagnosed ADD. Um, that's funny that you mentioned that because I just had a conversation with someone about how a lot of, um, especially like women go undiagnosed just because it's like kind of hard to pin down because like doctors are like, oh no, it's just because you're a woman that you're like that, like always doing things. Hyperactive um, and able to multitask. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But if you uh, ever need a, psy- not a psychiatrist, a 
nurse practitioner who you can see about that. I mean, I'm sure your counselor can also like refer you to someone, but highly recommend. Yeah, I need to uh, look into that because I, I don't I don't know what could be done to help me. And I don't necessarily think I need help on it. But my brain runs mm-hmm. like 50 miles a minute, man. And it can be ridiculous sometimes. Mm-hmm. And that is a thing that. to our dear, dear listeners. That is a thing, though, that a lot of women go undiagnosed ADD because and, and ADHD because um, it's just considered normal things. And it's more mm-hmm. noticeable as something that's not normal in men. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And boys, because my brother got tested for um, undiagnosed ADD or diagnosed. Mm-hmm. He got tested to see whether or not he had it. And um, mm-hmm. I, I don't think that was the case with him. I think mm-hmm. he was just a social butterfly. Aww. Which you couldn't tell these days. But <laughs> I was going to say, like, he seems very, like, he is a very quiet person sometimes. Unless you get but... him around his little friends, his little shithead. I call him his little friends. They're all taller than me. Oh my gosh. I was about to be like, they're all grown ups, Christina. Gosh. And they're going to make a musical, right? They need to make Oh, yeah. Musical. Yeah. The roommate musical. Okay, Amanda. Uh, let's rewind a couple episodes when you called him your baby cousin. My sweet baby cousin. He's the youngest cousin we have, Christina. He I mean, he's baby. your brother, but he's the youngest cousin I have. Except <laughs> for, like, cousins on my mom's side. But even then, like, he's still the youngest. I am the youngest cousin. I Well, yeah, no, I don't have a younger cousin than me. Um, oh, that's no, true. That would mean that I'm your next youngest cousin. Yeah. Like, there are no cousins younger than you. But, like, Yeah. Anyways, my uh, you you missed it last night on the family Zoom call. Um, Mary was oh, talking dude, about for- how, uh, you know, she just remembers when we were all growing up, and now Ben is like a super cool artist. Amanda's married, and mm-hmm. Christina flies everywhere. I'm like, <laughs> she's like, and I remember when y'all were just dumb and running around. <laughs> and I'm like. <laughs> Thanks, Mary. I remember her like coming over and visiting us. I remember she like lived with us for a summer so my mom could help her through summer school. And she is the reason we finally got internet. Thank God. And I will never like I I love her and I'm grateful for her, but I was especially grateful for her that summer. <laughs> right. Right. Oh, Dude, did man. you ever have a MySpace? Did you ever get into that? Um, I wasn't allowed to have a MySpace, but have you ever listened to The Tallest Man on Earth? Uh, sounds familiar, a- but no. Okay, he's like a folk singer, but he came to Phoenix in like 2012, and I wanted to request a song, and the only way you could contact him was through MySpace, because that was his only um, social media profile. So I made a MySpace just to send him a message and ask him to play a specific song at his show. <laughs> Good. So yeah, I had a MySpace, but that's the only thing I ever used it for. <laughs> and yes, it was in yes. 2012. <laughs> yes. Um, I love it. I love it. Um yeah, no, I mean, uh I had a MySpace. I still have all the login info, but half my pictures won't load, uh, which is so obnoxious. Oh, I was gonna Aww. tell you, I had to like go back a bit to try and find the pot uh, not the podcast this is the podcast um mm-hmm. the playlist that we made the bangers and box yeah i had to uh-huh. go back to our twitter like a little ways back to find it so i think we should make an instagram post about it because i re-listened to that playlist so oh my much gosh yeah on my trip. 
Um, I can absolutely share that on Instagram. You wait, did you listen to it like for realsies or ironically? Oh, I listened to it for realsies. I am so proud of you and also slightly surprised. Okay, Entertaining <laughs> Angels by Newsboys is a fucking bop, dude. No, that that is a total hit. Like that song. I freaking love that song. And like I we actually at church on Sunday, our pastors talked about a Bible verse that I don't remember what it was, but it like relates back to like the message of that song, which is actually like probably my favorite like Christian hit song of all time still, even though it wasn't like a super hit when it came out. But like, yeah, no, that song is lit. That and uh, Dive by Stephen Curtis Chapman. Yes. Oh my gosh. I love that song so much. I need to make like a dance music playlist, like a feel good, like do some dancing playlist, but also like songs that I already have hand motions to because I don't want to make any new ones up. You know, so Dive makes it onto that list. <laughs> unironically, if and when I ever get married, I mm. will have those two songs on oh my, gosh. my playlist for the DJ just so you and I can make utter fools of ourselves. Oh my god. That would be yes. Yes. Even and if you don't you get know- married. Like, your dirty 30. <laughs> my dirty do 30. It. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. God. Four years. Not even four years. It's like three mm-hmm. and a quarter years. I will be mm-hmm. 30 years old and that is unreal for me to think about. Yeah, I got two and a half. I feel yeah. I can't do this, man. I can't. And okay. I, I saw, I saw, <laughs> I saw a meme of like um, millennials, and it's like that guy looking at the tornado, mm-hmm. and then he turns around and his face is all panic, and it's like on his forehead it said millennials, and then the tornado said like turning thirty, <laughs> and it's like it's coming. Oh my god! Here it comes. I mean, yeah. to be fair, all the elder. All the elder millennials are already there, but they're already old goobers anyways. So, Steve. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I wasn't even thinking about Steve, but he is a goober. He is, and we love him. We love him. our cousin Steve. We love him. <laughs> he's great. I, of all of the cousins in our family, he's he's living his life up. I think I talked to them about this either when I was there in New York um, a little while back or on the family mm-hmm. zoom call last week but i was like steve you were like this super cool like too cool for your little baby cousins and like you had the puka shell necklace and you were like the surfer dude from michigan which makes zero sense and <laughs> then all of a sudden i guess you got to went to college met an amazing woman and finally came out of your shell and you are this huge nerd and i'm just fucking here for it man <laughs> 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 such a, such, I I love it. I mean, it could honestly be that you know he just I I didn't get to interact with him much when I was growing up. But and I mean, we grew up in separate states, so like I think that's totally a thing. Like my earliest True. memories of him were like him visiting my parents' old house and like all of us hanging out together for a family reunion when we were probably like five and six. So he would have been like older than us. Um. And then, like, visiting him in Michigan or visiting grandma in Michigan and, like, seeing him and, like, having dinner with him and Devin Bill. Like, it's – I think those are my only childhood memories of him. And also getting his, like, bachelor's degree, like, notification or whatever that thing you get in the mail is. Announcement. Being like, Steven is graduating. And I was like, he's that old? What? (laughs) I just think I was in, like – I remember my folks were like, yeah, that kid lives in Manhattan. He's loaded. I'm like, stop it. God. Probably. I feel like 
no matter how loaded you are, if you live in Manhattan, like all your money goes out the window anyways. Cause rent. Cause rent. Oh, for sure. But I mean rent. I mean to live in Manhattan. I wish I could go out there one more time before Jackie moves, but at this rate, Corona's gonna be here until she moves back to Chicago. Oh, she's moving back to Chicago. Good for her. Yeah, that was originally the plan. Yeah, is that she would move back to Chicago. She would get because they were supposed to get married in September, and then they would have like almost a full year left in New York before moving back to Chicago. But at this rate, she's gonna like get married and move. And you're welcome, (laughs) listeners, for your intricate (laughs) drive through our personal lives. Uh, speaking about money and how much money it takes to live in New York, uh, oh, yes. today's episode. Today's episode. Today's episode is all about money, specifically tithing and like giving money and charitable giving in churches. And like, before we get any farther, I just want to let any of our listeners who may still be religious and deeply entrenched in Christian wording that when we say money and tithing, we are putting tithing and offering is the same thing. Like a tithe and an offering literally don't mean shit to us. They're the same thing to us, even though we recognize that within church spaces, a tithe is generally considered to be one thing and an offering is generally considered to be something else. But like, fuck that. We're just using one word or both words interchangeably. Yes. Yes. Because <laughs> that's Make too much to work. me. Yeah. That's like, true. I don't know. Yeah. It's just too much work. Yeah, I'm not here to explain Christianese to people. Yeah, no. Um, so, so <laughs> Amanda, um, what was your experience with tithing when you were growing up? Yeah, so growing up um, in like kids' church at the church that I spent most of my time at growing up, I remember that they would like pass around an offering plate and like kids would specifically ask their parents for like ones and like 50 cents or 25 cents um, to just put in the offering plate to feel cool and feel like they're doing something because it was like, it was always like, oh yeah, like we're trying to support somebody who's building a house somewhere like kids church, like give us what you can. So like kids would bring like coinage or like small bills to church. And that was like kind of my introduction to tithing was like, oh, like, hey, dad, like we're in the car on the way to church. Can I have a dollar? And he would be like, yeah, sure. And like, give me a dollar. So like, that was kind of my intro to tithing growing up. Um, It wasn't really until I was in like high school or junior high that my parents were like, okay, you have your own bank account now. Like, you can't ask us for money for this anymore. (laughs) I mean, they were ones, but yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, like in ele- like yeah, like in elementary school and stuff, they were like, yeah, sure, but like once I kind of like once I had my own money, like they were basically like, okay, like you have like an allowance, like stop asking us for money, like we're giving you twenty bucks a week, use that for whatever, use that for eating with your friends, use that for tithing at church, like it's up to you to choose what you want to do with it. Which like, side note, I really appreciate it because it taught me kind of how to handle money um, and like budget when I didn't really have any bills to pay, which was nice. But it also made me kind of like choose how to spend money, which like sometimes that meant like giving money in the offering plate in youth group. And other times that meant like saving money so I could go to uh, Paradise Bakery with my friends and study AP Gov. So yes. Yeah. RIP Paradise Bakery. Panera is shit. She's not wrong. 
Yeah, Panera's yeah. shit. They've messed up my order too many times. And like, they don't have the chicken salad sandwich, so they can go away. I, Anyways. The last time I had Panera was only because a coworker bought it for me. I was literally at the gate and we were boarding. And Aww. all of a sudden I see him come on. And I'm like, what are you doing here, Jose? And he's just like, I got you a bagel and a blueberry muffin. I love you. Goodbye. Because it was a Is long that- flight. Mm-hmm. Was it the one by the C or D gates? Um, it was. It's not by the D gates. It's by the high C's, I believe. Okay, that's the last. The last time I had, or not the last time, but one of the last times I had Panera was there. Was in the airport too. <laughs> yeah, right. Like it's because yeah. there's unfortunately there's nothing in our stuff. It's all like all the kind of. I mean, the chain stuff really is all on the other and the coffee side. shop. But yeah, yeah. <gasps> I'm mad at the coffee shop, though. They changed their chai recipe, and it's kind of bitter now. <gasps> That's stupid. Is it homemade now? I'm not sure. I don't know what they did to change it, but it's, okay. it's really bitter now, and it's not like I, I like hmm. a sweet chai. I would have preferred it if they made it spicier. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I like the spicy, spicy chais. Chai. Love spicy chai, yeah. so unfortunately. <sighs> That's yeah. okay, though. Um, When it came to... Back to the subject. When it came yeah, tell me to, about it. <laughs> tithing um when i was growing up i they didn't really i feel like they they had the option for kids to put money into something for like for tithing but it wasn't so much like a little thing going around and if you didn't put something in i want to ask you this though because i feel like this is important to start noting Mm -hmm. did you feel like you were um maybe not singled out per se but did you feel like if you didn't put money in, like people would kind of judge you on it or? Um, no. So I think it was kind of like the whole like purity ring in high school thing. It was just what all the cool kids did. Like it wasn't gotcha. even, it wasn't like, oh, you're not tithing. Like how dare you not tithe? It was like, oh yeah, like all the cool kids are doing it. Like it was peer pressure, <laughs> which is just astounding of a way to think about it but it was very much like peer pressure-esque yeah okay just making sure i i I wanted to bring that up yeah no because i Mm -hmm. I never felt like peer pressure to tithe per se um it's nothing that necessarily like all the cool kids were doing um but i didn't understand um money really when Mm. i would get like money for like my birthday or something And if I Mm -hmm. didn't have anything I wanted to buy, I mean, I just, you know, I, I did it really to maybe impress my, um, my leaders Mm -hmm. or to like single myself out as like, Ooh, she's really good or something like that. And it wasn't even, Mm. maybe it was an ego boost for me. I honestly don't remember. (laughs) Um, but I have a very, very familiar memory of putting a 20 in wow um, and i was like maybe eight wow putting like a 20 in my leader's hand and being like i want to tie this and they're like oh my god christina really and i think my folks mm-hmm. were present and they were like honey are you sure and i was like yeah sure why not because it didn't mean anything to me mm-hmm. and they were like wow, yeah thank you so much and i got like all this attention for it and i was like wow okay cool ah. I, I don't think i ever really tithed again but i got like all this attention for it and i was Mm-hmm. unsure of why i was really confused uh, so okay. yeah that was that was an experience i had with tithing specifically that i remember as i was growing up but my parents always stressed the um 
give 10% thing. Uh-huh. That was like the big rule, right? I always, they always said like, give 10%, give 10%, give 10%, give 10%. And I was like, I don't know what that means. So mm-hmm. I don't think I really participated in tithing too much because I didn't understand it. Now I do. Mm-hmm. Now now I understand why church asks for money. But at the time mm-hmm. I was just like, I I don't, I don't know why. <laughs> I barely have any money. Why do you want it from me? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like, would you describe the church that you grew up at or, like, when you were – not necessarily when you were, like, in elementary kids' church, but, like, when you got older, would you describe them as, like, pushy about giving or tithing? No, I don't think so. Um, I know that my parents always did tithe, and they always did the 10%. So they were always, Mm -hmm. always, always tithing. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah, so I mean, that, that's just, um, that's just the memory that I have of it, really. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? I would say about the same. Yeah. It wasn't pushy either. I would say about the same. I think like every, gosh, like every once in a blue moon, there would be a sermon on tithing. And by once in a blue moon, I mean, like, maybe I remember one from throughout my entire time period um, going to quote unquote big church while I was in high school or like grown up church. And like, I think it was very much like, because I think that there definitely is like a stigma or almost an expectation that churches are going to be like super pushy about giving. Um, or tithing. And I think that like my church specifically wanted to avoid that um, persona of being really pushy about it. So like they would basically, when I was younger, they would like pass around an offering basket. And then when I started going to other churches as I got like older into college, they would mention it. And then there would be like a lockbox in the back of the building before you exit where you could like put your money and then like as I got even older and technology advanced, you could just like give online and stuff. Um, but most right. of the churches I grew up at weren't pushy about it. However, there was always like this sort of, um, I don't want to say threat because threat is not the right word, but there was always this sort of thing like, remember, like if you give, like God will give back to you like tenfold or something. And for a while, maybe I... Equation? Yeah, like maybe persuasion or almost like dangling this sort of like promise um, that like if you give, like God will give back to you. Like, which now that I talk about it, it seems very like prosperity gospel, like Joel Osteen-ish, which like fuck him. But yes, um, fuck that dude. We don't like Joel Osteen (laughs) on this podcast. Fuck Fuck that that dude. Jesus. Yeah, same goes with the gospel coalition, but that's something we can get into another time. But like (laughs) I would do that like for a while and pretty much like if I didn't feel – if I didn't feel like comfortable and welcomed at a church, like if I didn't feel like this church was my home and if it was like, if I didn't feel like it was my community, like I was less likely to give. But if I felt like the church was doing good things and if I felt like I was welcome there and found a community there, like I was more apt to give. Um, And I started kind of like realizing like, oh, wow, like I gave 10% of like my paycheck this week and this great thing happened. And I started like noticing like all of these good things happening. And now that I look back at it, I think it was really just like a sort of example of observation bias um, because I feel like the pastor... Uh, I'm specifically thinking of like the suburban church that I went to for like a year and a half or so. But I specifically remember like 
the pastor saying like, remember if you give, like God will give back to you and like giving like 10% of my income for a while. And then just feeling like good things were coming my way as a result of it. But like, I'm pretty sure it was all observation bias. Yeah. So you mean like you were looking for it kind of? Like I was kind of like, so have you ever had like an experience where you've like rented a car for a weekend and then like after you return it, you have, you start seeing like that car model everywhere. I've had different situations, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah. So like, I'm thinking like that sort of thing. Like for example, Brandon's sister just got a new car. We call it the Beluga. It's like not the cutest thing in the world. It looks a little (laughs) bit like a baby whale, but like after she bought one, we've seen these cars everywhere. And like, we always take pictures of them and send them to her. And we're like, look, we found a baby Beluga. And I feel like it was sort of like that where the pastor was like, remember if you give like 10%, like God will bless you tenfold. And I just started like noticing all of these good things coming my way. Um, after or like while I was doing that. So like that's kind of probably like the pushiest a church ever got about giving and tithing. But like it, even then it wasn't really pushy. Yeah, I do remember as a kid, I would be observant as to who did and who didn't. And uh-huh. just because I was nosy. Um, <laughs> that's literally it. Like, and I never like judged them for not donating money. But I mean, my parents always did. So this maybe that kind of fed into um part of that you know like we felt like we ran this town when i when i mean when i was at church i always kind of felt like yeah i run this town mm-hmm. my parents are involved like my dad's deacon and he gives money <laughs> to the church and all this crap that really does not mean anything if your heart is not in it so mm-hmm. yeah so yeah I mean, I've I've never had uh, an issue with tithing though, and I've never felt like I was pressured into doing it, which is good. Um, I feel like I just didn't understand exactly what it was, and I didn't understand where the money was going until I was out. Ah. Because uh-huh. when I was in high school, I was honestly like, uh, I don't want to be here half the time, so I didn't pay attention much to what was going on. Mm, yeah, I think that's something that I definitely. Um, I think that's like a hole that I got filled in a lot because my mom's an accountant and also because she specifically used to work for churches that she would like explain to me how tithing and offering are different from not necessarily a biblical perspective, but how they're different from an accounting perspective. Um, And that really helped me understand like how giving and like tithing and offerings work from just like a strictly financial perspective, which um, honestly, in a lot of ways actually made me more willing and interested in giving, especially if like there was an event coming up and I could like earmark my tithe or my offering for that event um, or things like that. Right. Right. Yeah. No, that makes sense. That makes total sense. And like you could do that in my folks church too. You could definitely um, say like, I want this to go to here or mm-hmm. you could say, I want it to go to here, or, you know, I don't care where it goes, just put it wherever you guys need it, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, when they would bring about the, um, the tithing bowls, like they always had the deacons come up and they'd say like a word of prayer before, mm-hmm. and then the deacons would go and like hand the bowls and they, they would pass them down the rows. Um, no good now with Corona um too many touch points (laughs) but way too many touch points but you know um the bowls that they had these ties come into i want to talk about them for a second because they seemed like very 
not extra, but I don't know. Like they had, they, they looked like they were metal, metal bowls mm-hmm. and they were like a gold. Mm-hmm. And then the base of it was like a, um, a velvet. Yep. Not oh, a yes. velvet. Maybe not a velvet. Um, like a velveteen. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, I mean, or like a looked, felt. Yeah. Yeah. It just looked so fancy. And I was like, all I could think of was an in Indiana Jones three. <laughs> When uh-huh. you get the cup of Christ, it is this simple, simple cup, the cup of a carpenter. Yeah. I was like, why do we have these like very fancy ornate bowls when these ties are supposed to go to God and God, you know, broke yeah. bread with the poor, with the sick, with the quote unquote broken. None of us are broken. But like the the people, you know. And it was always so weird to me that tithing was done. Thank you. Outcast, much better. Mm-hmm. Um, that tithing was done in these really ornate bowls. I always had kind of a, kind of an issue with that. Yeah. Same so with, um, as you were just saying, sorry, same with communion, same kind of bowls. Mm-hmm. Yep. So as you're describing that, it reminds me of the church that I grew up in, probably. So we had like one pastor for the majority of my childhood. And then there was some like reorganizing and I don't know what happened to him, but he left. And um, when our new pastor came in, in my childhood church, I was probably, I want to say like maybe ninth grade. Um, Our church did like an entire re- I don't want to say like it wasn't a refurbishing, but it it was very much not even rebranding. It was very much like a refreshing. And we used to have those same like offering plates when I was a kid and they got rid of them and replaced them with like wicker baskets. And I think like it's less. I think that that's sort of like just like a holdout from the 90s because like ornateness and like rich colors were just like a very big thing of the 90s. And I think that like a lot of churches just kind of kept that around because like after, I mean, like, I don't know if you ever volunteered with like filling up communion plates because I definitely did that for a while and holy cow, I used to love using like the little juice dropper to like get the juice in the cups. It was fun. But I think Mm -hmm. like those were just like the style of the time. Um, But no, I remember those like very not fondly they're really annoying i like the wicker baskets more but yeah yeah I see where I, you're coming from yeah okay cool i i just had that thought i was like you know what those always reminded me of they never reminded me of like god and jesus they reminded me of indiana jones and like the guy dying mm-hmm. because he chose poorly you know <laughs> you chosen poorly exactly oh my god what were we doing we were at I can't remember what we were doing, but my crew and I, we made that joke and, or I was like, he mm-hmm. has chosen. And then my pilot behind me was like, poorly. I was like, oh my God. Oh no. I was oh like, my gosh. oh, he's still old enough to be my dad, but at least I made a joke that, you know, what someone on my crew understood. Honestly. Yes. And that's on working with there- people twice your age. There you go. Do you know like the inscription above, like on the Indiana Jones ride at Disneyland? Mm. I don't remember what it is. It just made me think of that, but it's like related to it. Huh, I'm not quite sure. I'll look it up and see if I can find it because it kind of relates to this discussion, I think. 
you know, Harrison Ford was but, a total yeah. smoke and babe Ooh, in that movie. I love, I love him. He's, I know. It weirds me out. It weirds me out that my dad looks like him, but like, God I love Harrison Ford. Damn it, Amanda. Why, why, why would you do that to me? My fantasy is God... <laughs> no, but now I have to just completely try and ignore that. Jesus Christ. Damn you want to know the worst? Brandon pointed that out for me, and I was like, gee, thanks. You just ruined this for me. He's like, well, I know, right? But yeah, Harris, young Harrison Ford is great. Old Harrison Ford looks like my father. That's because they're both graying, I think, very nicely. No, they've got the same face shape. Stop it. I'm trying to like. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> and uh, on that note, let us uh, continue. Come back to our topic. Yes. Yeah. So, what about, I mean, like, so my mom being an accountant is a big deal or like loves charitable giving. Um, I think she loves it both for like the tax return goodies, but also because like she does have a pretty big heart sometimes. Um, but yeah, like what about what were your experiences with charitable giving growing up versus like now? I mean, when I, it, they always went to programs um, that uh, I didn't really do any research on. I'll say that 100%. Uh, I never really did much research. Mm -hmm. I just knew that donating to it was part of the thing. So, you know, the March for Dimes, right? Yes. Is do that the grocery store one? No, no. Is that the grocery store thing where they like have ads at the grocery store station or the grocery I store like checkouts? Dimes. Yeah, maybe I don't know what we're talking about. Do they do stuff in hospitals? They do. Um, so... March of Dimes is uh, basically NICU um, oh, okay. babies. So um, this is just straight from their website. More than 3,800,000 uh, babies are born um, preterm each year. You can help help fund life-saving research and provide support to families when they need it most. Volunteer hmm. opportunities, health information programs for moms advocating for policies operating over 80 years. Okay. So that's what the March of Dimes is. Now, um, what I remember was is in high school, not the church per se, but my school school would do this thing called a penny war. <gasps> we do that at the school that I teach at. Penny wars are the best, aren't they? I hate as a teacher, I hate them. Okay, that's fair. Here, <laughs> let me let me describe this to our listeners if you don't know what a penny war is. Yes. So each teacher, this is how it was done at my high school. So I apologize, Amanda, if it's done a little differently at yours. Um, so what they did at my high school was each teacher basically had a soda bottle, like a, a liter bottle, a big old, you know, however many liter bottle, the big soda bottles, um, mm -hmm. that was cleaned out, cut out, and it had the teacher's name on it. And what the students would do is they would put money into those, um, bottles and pennies were positive points and everything else was negative. So dollar, like yep. paper money, other kind of coins, all, um, you know, it would just be negative points. Everyone ended up in the negative mm -hmm. by the end of the year be, or by the end of the fundraising time because. Really? Oh, everyone ended up in the negative because we got competitive. <laughs> oh, we my got gosh. Really, really, really competitive. And it was great because we ended up raising like a ton of money. But the teachers would um, the teachers would put a lot of their own money into it, uh, which was fun. <laughs> 
but like mm-hmm. um, I remember my history teacher, my English teacher were bitter rivals. Yeah. Uh, when it that came to that, right. they were just both very competitive spirited people. They, they were, they were really good friends, but they both just were so competitive that uh, she would be in the middle of like teaching and their rooms were right next to each other. She would be in the middle of teaching and he would send a student in like a black cloak or something running into her room drop a 20 into her um thing and then run out she'd be like okay which one of you wants to go and everyone would volunteer (laughs) i want i want you to know that that is exactly how it goes now but that is also why as a teacher i hate it because i hate the disruption that it causes while i'm teaching like that's my one (laughs) that's my one bone to pick is like i hate the disruption that it causes and i like I love that it's for a good cause, but I hate that like Stugo officers will come into my classroom while I'm teaching, ask me where my box is, and then count the money and distract all of my students while I'm doing it. Like it could be so much better. Like I love what it is, but yep, that's exactly how we do it. And I hate that it disrupts my classes. No, that that I completely agree with. No, no. So that and rant. <laughs> that, no, that I completely see why you have a problem with it. We always did our counting at the end of every day in uh, one of the teachers' rooms after classes were done, um, and it was organized by the National Honor Society of the school. So we would we would oh. count it at the end of the day and then update mm-hmm. the board at the end of it. Now, all the people did during the day could be done, you know, all the time. So mm-hmm. we wouldn't yeah. count whenever we saw new things drop into the bottles or anything. I would just walk into my classroom and go, holy shit, man, what happened to your thing? What happened to your jar? And the history teacher would just be like, I think the teacher got me or something like that. <laughs> like it would just be like, <laughs> and he would like be plotting his revenge. So that's, that's yep. all it was. Yeah, no, but I had no idea what the March for Dimes was. And mm-hmm. to be honest, I didn't really look it up until just now. I honestly thought it uh, was not for NICU babies. I thought it was um, kind of like on the same side as um, abortion or something like that. So, Oh, like anti-abortion? Yeah. So that's what I thought it was. But like, that's just how poorly researched I was into to things I was, I was mm-hmm. giving into. Um, I don't know about stuff that the money went to in the church. Um, as far as charitable donations go, um, I know that people donated a bunch of time, I would say, like, um, Mm -hmm. people would come in on like Saturday mornings and offer to clean the church. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my parents signed us up for that numerous times and I was just like, oh, no. And I would always get assigned the bathrooms. That sounds awful. I mean, to be honest, I didn't really hate it that much because I could blast my music in a very small space. Yeah. And it was usually Green Day. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. That's amazing. So blaring Green Day in a church. But mm-hmm. so like, I mean, that's, I didn't, I didn't hate it, but it, that that's more like the charitable donations I remember the most of was either like food or time. Um, or like if a family mm-hmm. was going through something, you would donate, um, food or money if you could um yeah something that like came down the grapevine but what about you what do you what do you remember from all that yeah so I remember like occasionally so Christian school we would have chapels and assemblies um for like different 
nonprofits or so on and so forth. So I remember, shoot, I think I was a sophomore. I remember Invisible Children coming to my school. Do you remember Invisible Children? They did like that Coney 2012 thing. I don't remember Invisible Children, Amanda. They're invisible. Oh, get out. Oh, my gosh. Oh, I'm sorry. We had Brandon um, on the podcast last week. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you can keep your dad jokes for the next I time he comes I do remember joins. Coney 2012. I remember that was yeah. massive. And I remember people yeah. putting stuff in their windows at my at my university. Mm-hmm. It was huge. Yeah. It, wasn't that like a huge scam? Well, okay. I don't remember Coney 2012 super well, but that is what Invisible Children is most well known for because that was kind of like the memification of what they did. Um, But before Coney 2012, there was like a day of silence. And I remember like someone from (gasps) Invisible Children like coming to our school and doing this. Uh huh. It happened to be around Easter, which was a hell of a weird time. But I remember like they came to our school and they were like, hi, here's who we are. Here's what we do. We're trying to like stop child soldiers from being abducted into being soldiers for the LRA and all that jazz. Um, And I remember like they hosted this sort of, it wasn't necessarily a chapel and it wasn't necessarily an assembly. It was like a cross between the two at my school. And they were like, if anybody's interested in like donating money and joining this day of silence, like just come to this meeting after school. And that was like probably the first, that was like the first time I ever like used my money to donate it towards a nonprofit. And that was also like the first taste of, um, I don't want to call it like social disobedience, but that was like my first taste of activism. And obviously I have not stopped since then, but um, yeah, Invisible Children. (laughs) So that's like my first memory of like charitable giving and like other things that I've done or like I guess like when I make my choices with my money, like it's very much related to like what I put importance on. Like as a former journalism major in the past, I've like donated to our local NPR station, which probably surprises nobody. Um nope. and that's also because like that's something my dad like did when I was a kid, was like donate mm-hmm. money to NPR. So like that's like very much like a learned thing as well. But my family as a whole were like big givers. Um, and you guys I, are. I'm sure with, that with, it was. With, sorry, I bumped my mic. But with like your time and your effort and um, money as yeah. well. But your family, they are really givers. Yeah. And I think like a little bit. So like my parents don't adhere to the whole Dave Ramsey philosophy of like live like no one else. So you can give like no one else. Like they're not Dave Ramsey sickophants by any means. <laughs> um, but they t- they do truly believe that like at least well okay my mom's not working right now so it's a little different but like when my mom and dad both worked they definitely were like oh yeah like we have money like let's give money to organizations that can use it um so i kind of like grew up with that sort of um mentality and also i remember when i was a kid like my mom got me this piggy bank that was like sectioned off and there was like a section for saving a section for spending and a section for giving um so like i think from a pretty young age my parents were very much like hey like when you have money make sure that you give it but it wasn't always so much like make sure you give it to the church it was like make sure you are just being generous with your money and that's um stuck with me in various ways yes i I like that a lot um i also kind of want to touch on um because 
I, I don't know. Um, I mean, I do consider this to fall under like charitable giving. Um, mm -hmm. Like, did your parents ever like adopt a child through a program? <laughs> so <laughs> I'm so uh, yes. Um, my first concert that I ever and went I don't to was mean like Crown. legitimately adopting a child. People, yeah. I mean like. like World Vision or Compassion International. Compassion, that's one of those what it two. Is. Thank you. Compassion International. Yeah. Yes. I think so go go. You adopted it yeah. yeah. So we adopted a child through World Vision while I was growing up. And by while I was growing up, I mean I was in seventh grade. We went to my first like concert that I ever wanted to go to, which was Casting Crowns. Um <laughs> also I've been listening to Casting Crowns. Um American Dream is is just my shit. But anyway, continue. Yeah. I was obsessed with that song then, still am now. But their um, World Vision had a table there because, like, for anybody who's ever been to a Christian concert, you know that like half the shtick is that like there is a nonprofit supporting or like hoping to gain supporters through this event. Um, and so I told my mom, I was like, "Hey, like, I want to adopt, um, a, like, I want to adopt a kid. Like, so and so's family did this. Like, we should do this too." My mom was like, "Okay, like." you're going to be responsible for all of like the correspondence and I will do the payments. And I was like, okay, that's cool. So we adopted a girl from India named Reka. And for like all of my junior high and high school years, like we sponsored her and paid for her education and healthcare and whatever else it is that world vision funds. And like, I think I did a charity navigator check on World Vision not too long ago, and they're still like a pretty highly rated charity. So like I'm pretty, um, yeah, feel pretty chill about that. Still pretty confident about like where your money went and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like I don't feel like I feel like I trust World Vision with it, and I feel like it's. I don't because we talked about mission trips last week, right? We talked a little bit about mission trips or like two weeks ago about mission trips and like unpaid jobs with the church and like a little bit yeah, of yeah, like yeah. um white saviorism. Mm -hmm. I think that like sponsor a child programs like do have like a bit of white saviorism to them, but also like at the end of the day, people in America have money and it's a better use to give that money to a nonprofit who knows how to like fund education and healthcare rather than to like go on a two week mission trip where they're spending a shit ton of money on airfare instead of like actually just giving money to a nonprofit who knows what they're doing. True. Did you do any research on Compassion so, yeah. International? No, I didn't actually. Yeah, because that's the one that my folks use. They're still, like, they've sponsored children my my whole life. And I think, you mentioned it, but I was going to bring it up anyway. I think that it really plays into the white savior complex. I, I really think mm -hmm. it does. Um, because I think it plays into it by saying, um, ah, these poor people in third world countries. And literally... Mm -hmm. um, there, there are children on the street in America, mm -hmm. but we're so focused yeah. on like helping out the poor, you know, in these other countries where they don't have all the good things that we have in America. Um, mm -hmm. but I think that's a big problem that um, the U.S. has is it's so focused on the problems of others, it refuses to focus on its own problems and fix that first. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I hear I do, you, and I, I do think. I do like what the programs do. Don't get me wrong. Um, mm -hmm. I just, 
I think there's a huge white savior complex in there and it always kind of made me uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think like it's definitely there, but at the same time, I think like when a non I think when a nonprofit like has the community support already built in in other countries i think that it's still because like when you think about it like the u.s is one of the richest countries in the world like oh god it really it's, is it's in like it is it's not an arguable point and i think that like the world that we live in is imperfect like no matter i think no matter what worldview like somebody ascribes to whether you like ascribed to like a Christian worldview or otherwise, I think that most people can agree that we live in a world that is like pretty fucked up. And I think that it is a responsibility of anybody who has more, whether they are white or black or Hispanic or just literally anybody. If you have money, I think that it is a responsibility for you to use that money in a way that helps others, whether they are in your country or out of your country. And I think it is also a responsibility for people to do their research and figure out what the best way they can help others is with that money. Like, for lack of a better word, how to get the most bang out of your buck. Oh, when it absolutely. Comes to helping others. Absolutely. And, and like, I, I go ahead. Yeah, well, I do still, well, I do like agree with you that I think that, um, especially if like people aren't checking in with themselves and like calling in themselves and calling in their friends, I think that organizations like World Vision and Compassion International like can absolutely lead to like a sort of like puffed up white saviorism. Like, look at me, I'm like a white person, I'm doing such good stuff. Like, I do think that it can lead to that, but I also think that like it can do like a lot of good. Oh, absolutely. By putting their money in that absolutely. direction. I was just stating that I had some kind of uncomfortability with it. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I I think, I know it's the white saviorism. And um, mm-hmm. that's just because I'm always trying to call myself out on it and recognize mm-hmm. it when I see it. So, um, yeah. Yeah. And, and listeners, I was not doing a whole like America first bullshit. Like, this country just has a ton of problems (laughs) and they're all coming to light right now and i feel like we need to focus on ourselves and not worry about what other people are doing right now um to try and make and i would also better Mm -hmm. and i would also venture so far to say that like most americans probably have enough money in their monthly monthly budget that they could absolutely give money both locally, nationally, and internationally to nonprofits that are doing the work. Yes. Yes. I All do of agree. the work. All of the work. Yes, yes. All um, of the work. So I, since your mom was an accountant, I kind of want to go back to that. Because mm-hmm. um, you probably know this more than, more than I do, because I don't really know too much about my family's finances, but your mom sounds like maybe she was more open with it because of what she did um mm-hmm. when your family did um tithing or or offering or whatever it was was it altruistic or was it for the tax return i think it was altruistic for the most part i think that like i think that at the end of the day no matter who you are there are always selfish desires at play um 
So I don't think it would be fair for me to say like, oh yeah, like my family was totally doing it all for altruistic purposes. Like I do think like maybe deep down or at least a portion of it was like, ah, yes, like I can give money and write it off on my taxes because then I can at least like tell where my money is going. Specifically, there's like, um, uh, shoot, I don't remember what it's called. It's like CSTO, which is basically like a Christian school. Yeah, it's Christian school tuition organization um, that my mom would give money to so that like kids who couldn't afford to go to private Christian schools could get scholarships um, to go to those Christian schools. And my mom gave to that. Um, and I'm pretty sure that that was largely related to tax returns because she was like, oh, like I can give to this organization and then write it off on my taxes. And also like kids can go to Amanda's school who couldn't afford it otherwise. Um, gotcha. Yeah. So, but also like, I think there are a lot of places my mom gave money um, because it was like the right thing to do. Yeah. Your mom has such a, like a big giving heart. She really does. Mm-hmm. She, mm-hmm. she always has her heart in the right place, I believe, even if it might come off a little strange mm-hmm. sometimes. Yes. Yeah. And my dad too. Like, oh, absolutely. Your dad's yeah. just strange though. <laughs> in the best yeah. way. You know, you know, I love them both. Um, oh yeah. But yeah, no. And I mean, I, I can honestly say the same thing about my folks. Now they never talked to me about per se, like what where the money went what they got on their tax return because my parent my dad especially since he handles the family's finances he's always Mm -hmm. very very private with that and that's just how he's always been um Mm -hmm. but i know for a fact they always did it because they felt like it was the right thing to do never Mm -hmm. um to like for their own gain or benefit i know for a fact that their hearts were always in the right place whenever they did tithing and donations or whatever because they did it you know, even when we might not have had much that month and um, they do it all the time for, for others in their church, like when it comes to donating your time or cooking mm-hmm. food for others, they always did it. So my mom would give you the shirt off her back if even if mm-hmm. she didn't know who you were, if you needed it. Yeah. So I know for a fact their hearts were always in the right place whenever whenever they do donations of time, money, whatever, service, mm-hmm. which is good. I, I really respect my parents for that because it's so easy to go down that rabbit hole and get kind of maybe an inflated ego if you're not careful about it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and yeah. a sense of like a, almost like a God complex. Like, oh, yeah, yes, my donations help pay for this. Oh, yes, my donation. Like, I donated so we could have that, you know, and and. Well, that's mm-hmm. nice and all that that your heart's starting to get misled and it's no longer in the right place for it and you're not doing yeah. it for the right reasons. So uh, I do really like that our families are like that. Um, now, I since you're still in the church and I'm not, are you are you currently tithing at, at your church? Do they do that or is it offerings or what? So our church does accept like tithes and offerings. It's actually really, so it's really refreshing because our pastor um, or one of our two pastors mentioned at the beginning of this year, so like pre-COVID and everything, he was like, hey, if you consider yourself like a member at this church, um, we would like to just schedule like a sit down meeting with you so we can talk about like what your expectations are for this year. Because this was even before our church like officially launched um, from like our little family group to like being open to the public. Right. But, um, one of our pastors was like very clear and was like, we don't expect 
anybody to give, but we do want to know if you plan on giving so we can form our budget around that, which was really um, refreshing to hear because I had never heard that before. Um, and like we haven't given monetarily to our church. I think we did like sporadic, like we have sporadically in the past, like when they had an offering plate and like we met in person and stuff, we would be like, oh, like we've got money. We'll throw that in there. But it's not like a planned thing that we've done. Okay. Um, however, our church, our pastors recently announced that our lady pastor, Kimberly, is going to be ordained as a priest or I guess yes. priestess. If you wanna. Yeah. So like that's really freaking exciting. Um, And I think if she enters, I think if like that becomes like a full time position where like part of it is part of like the tithe becomes like her literal salary, then like, hell yes. Like I want to support my church with my full time badass woman pastor um but until then like it's really we give like our money or we don't really give like our money we give like our time and we did our church did um sort of like an adopt a christmas angel thing this year with um foster kids in the foster care program in our state so brandon and i went and like did a shit ton of christmas shopping for our like holiday giving sort of thing so short answer like no we don't dependably like give money at church or tithe but like long answer like we tithe with our time and otherwise yes okay yeah because I was I was interested to hear that because I don't think we had ever talked about whether that was um something that your church did because I know your church is I don't I I'm not trying to say modern. What am I trying to say? That your church is different? It's very different. <laughs> it is. Yeah. And I didn't want that to come off like in a bad way, but it's different in, in the best ways. Um, yeah. It feels very much, it feels more like a community than it feels like a church. Like it very strongly feels like a community of people. I'm laughing because like there were, so we're still like meeting, but like very socially distanced. And there were only eight people in like our probably 75 person meeting space this oh, past no. Sunday. So distant. So we got like, we got super goofy, which was really fun. But it like feels, it feels more like a community than it feels like a church. And especially for like an Anglican church, which is like kind of like a high church experience. It still feels very like family-like. Um and warm. That's good. Yes. I like it. I like it. I like it. Um, mm-hmm. For me, I mean, I don't, I don't do too much of um, monetary donations. Um, I mean, I do with like nothing that involves the church really, because mm-hmm. sometimes the organizations are kind of messed up mm-hmm. um, or like, cause I'm obviously, this is a very left-leaning podcast listeners. If you know us, you know us. And, and we, <laughs> we were, we're about women, uh, uh, women having the Empower. choice what they want with their bodies. And obviously Amanda and I both being proud and out bisexual women were, were members of Ooh. and supportive of the LGBTQ plus community. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that I really look into organizations like that and I, I will do what I can to, to donate. Um, if it means like just like a couple bucks here and there, or, uh, if I can donate my time at all, I will do that. But Mm -hmm. I mean, 
if, if I could recommend anything to you listeners, just, just know where your money is going. Know mm-hmm. what your money is supporting. So like I'm literally crocheting right now and I could go to somewhere like Hobby Lobby and get my yarn. Is it Hobby Lobby? Yeah. Hobby Lobby is the one. Yeah. That's what I thought. Um, <sighs> Yeah, that and they support you. You probably know the exact. I know that they support. Uh, <laughs> is it like? No, you you just say mm-hmm. it. they. Well, so do you remember like four years ago or so when there was that whole big hullabaloo about an employer not wanting to provide um, contraceptives with their health insurance? Oh God, that was Hobby Lobby. Hobby. Lobby was one of the parties on that. They weren't the only ones. I think there were a couple of religious hospitals that were also interested in it. But like Hobby Lobby was one of the major ones. Lord have mercy. Ugh. So I don't know. Yeah. Like I could go there or I could go to like Joanne's where I know where my money is being spent. And I know, again, it's a huge company. I could go to a local yarn store, whatever mm-hmm. I want to do. But um, I know where my money is going. And that's why I have made it a solemn vow sorry amanda to not eat chick-fil-a again honestly so like here's my deal with chick-fil-a the problem with chick-fil-a was that they supported the salvation army which does not is a a very like very christian organization um and i don't mean that it's like a supportive christian like very much like you must do as we say form of christian organization and like here's yeah, I I can go into this. Are you ready for me to dive into this? Go go ahead. Okay. So like, here are my thoughts. Chick Fil A obviously got a lot of flack when that came about, and they're like, "We'll stop doing it," and then they kept fucking doing it. But like, at the end of the day, so here are my thoughts. If there are any app developers out there who do like top to bottom or like front to back app development, I have a pitch for you. Please email us at or email or just reach out to us on Twitter. Um, but I fucking love Chick-fil-A's French fries and I can't. Oh, then I Here have are my thoughts. for you when and like, you're done this with this. This is something that has weighed very heavy on my heart because like, I don't want to support an organization that also supports an organization that is hateful. But like at the end of the day, one of the, things that I recommend and one of the things that I do is donate money to a local LGBTQ youth organization um, that like specifically provides like connections and support for young adults and like I think it's like 13 to 21 year olds who um, are lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer or questioning Um, and like at the end of the day I do not love what Chick-fil-A does, but I don't feel bad about spending $4 on some French fries and $4 on some chicken nuggets when I also know that, like, I'm fighting homophobia in another way. So that's my thoughts I'm just on kidding. Chick-fil-A. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> no, no. But I also, think- like, I also, like, I'm – Chick-fil-A is not the only – like, if we think about it in a grand scheme of things, like, yes, Chick-fil-A, like, has problems, poses problems with, like, how they spend their money. 
um, on like a homophobic organizations, but also like McDonald's, Burger King, Jack in the Box, and all those other places are not great either. Particularly oh, when not. you think they're about the impact not. that they have on the environment and also like how they treat their workers poorly. And like really the only fast food place that's good to eat at if you're concerned about ethics is in and out. So here we are. Oh, yeah. I mean, I could go into my anti <laughs> rant, but there's not enough time for that. Um, oh, God. Dude. Um, yep. Could go there. Not going to do it right now. Yeah, no, no. I, I could go into my anti-Disney rant because I've got a huge bone to pick with them, but I won't because our listeners, they don't deserve that. Um, not right now, at least. Maybe some other time. But I was <laughs> going to ask you this question, Amanda, as we wrap up this episode. Um, so, because you mentioned Chick-fil-A's fries, I have to ask. Mm-hmm. This is going to be a fuck, Mary kill question between, okay. you know, shoestring french fries tater tots and waffle fries go is that even a okay mary waffle fries kill shoestring fries and fuck tater tots okay 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 because i got asked this question and um (laughs) shoestring french fries are so hard to get perfect it like if you would you could substitute shoestring french fries with sweet potato fries and it would be the same response because like those two types of fries are so hard to do perfectly that like it's not even worth it that's very true that's very very true i know and like you have to get them um like crispy and stuff and it's Mm -hmm. really really hard to do that so no i completely agree um Someone asked me that, and his response was, <laughs> I believe it was, um, kill, I think it was kill french fries, fuck waffle fries, and marry tater tots. And I was upset. <laughs> because I'm not the Dang. biggest fan of, pota- of uh, tater tots, so I was just like, well, mm-hmm. I would kill tater tots, fuck just like regular french fries and then mary waffle fries because waffle fries are the best honestly they are like it's so and like one of my friends ava used to work at chick-fil-a and i remember like visiting her in pennsylvania and like she used to work there and i would go there with her and she would teach me like the secret ways to order the waffle fries and if you order them well done you get them extra crispy which like chef's kiss that's perfection right there chef's kiss perfection (sighs) i love it honestly yes okay well that was my question so amanda i would love to hear what your recommendation of today is yes so my recommendation of today not a book um my recommendation is to give money to local lgbtq and black-led nonprofits. that is my holiday recommendation um additionally check out charitynavigator.org when you are deciding who to give your money to because it is a wonderful um, way to see how accountable the places you want to give your money are with their finances and other things. Yes. So that's my recommendation. My recommendation is an anti-recommendation. <laughs> yeah. We were talking about this earlier and uh, my anti-recommendation is Dave Ramsey. Oh God. I, mm, I will. Can I say one thing about him? I will say like his whole thing about having an emergency fund is, is very smart. 
Also, his budgeting app slaps. It is amazing. Yes. But I think, Amanda, what's your bone to pick with him? Like, I want to hear yours before I go into mine. Oh, that's sad. Okay. There's your ASMR, folks. (laughs) He has some good advice. Like, I will give that to him. He has some solid financial advice. However, one, it is not fair to present his advice as a be all, end all. Two, his advice, like, at the end of the day, it's coming from a white man who has money and it makes money off of telling other people how to handle their money. Like, he has money and i think that it is callous and very um temperature blind is not the right word what is the phrase i'm looking for holy shit my brain just pooped on me um i have no he's very tone deaf quote from this week tone deaf tone deaf is the word i'm looking for here his recommendations are very tone deaf because like at the end of the day like there are families who have to work too fucking hard just to make a living wage and it's not fair to expect them to complete his program while also like taking care of themselves and i think that like i think dave ramsey is offers great budgeting tips for white middle-class people. But like, other than that, I think that the whole notion, especially of trying to get rid of student debt is absolute bullshit. Um, and I think, that student, I think student debt in and of itself is bullshit. And I think that college should be free. But anyways, now I'm going on an entirely different rant. So yeah, my problems with Dave Ramsey is that he's He's got some good advice, but he's also incredibly tone deaf if he thinks that his advice applies to and works for everyone, everyone. because it doesn't. And You're it, right. Yeah. You're absolutely right. It doesn't. And it's, it is coming from a very wealthy white man. Um, and he has this whole story about, you know, how he came from nothing, how he was in so much debt, like he filed for bankruptcy, all this stuff. And, you know. Oh, yeah. Part of me wonders how much also- that's true. Hmm. Because we, we just don't mm-hmm. know. And I'm not trying to like belittle the guy or, or say anything there or belittle anything he went through. We just don't know how much of that is true. So mm-hmm. um, I don't know. Like I would say that my biggest issue with it, of course, is like the uh, religious undertones of it. Mm. Because my dad, bless him, I know he meant well, but he made my brother and I sit down and do Dave Ramsey's whole financial peace course. The adult or the children's version? Oh, the adult version. Really? Oh. This was like a couple of years ago. Yeah. So we were adults. Um, but it was just like, okay. And like the first thing the guy does is he like takes a 20 out of his pocket or something and like does something with it. And he was just trying to show an example but the fact that he uh-huh. did it with like a 20 or like a hundred dollar bill, like he just had it in his pocket. And I was like, okay, like we get it. You have money now. Yeah. All of these simple, easy stuff. It just reminded me of like someone trying to sell you something. And I didn't, I didn't mm-hmm. buy it. I didn't bite. Like I wasn't interested. And it sucked. I, I felt that. like I was right back at like 18 years old in my parents' house. And they're like, Christina, aren't you going to church? And I'm like, no, I don't want to go to church. Like, I have no interest in going, oh, but you're not being spiritually fed. Oh, my God. 
Um, and I like what you- Oh my God. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. The whole notion of you can only be spiritually fed at church is bullshit. Like you can't just go to church to get spiritually fed. You need to fucking do that in therapy and other places. Oh, I know. I know. And I know we've talked about that too, but I like like what you typed right here. Go ahead and read that. Yeah. So as you were talking, it made me think of, um, I think like at the end of the day, like equating richness or even like equating the amount of money that you have with a high moral standing is utter bullshit because like at the end of the day socioeconomic standing does not equal moral standing and i think that when you especially like intertwine religion with money like the way that dave ramsey does like it's not blatantly stated but it is the heavy subtext is that like if you are in debt or if you don't have a strong savings account or if you can't afford to buy a used car like that's on you that's your fault pull yourself up by your fucking bootstraps you lazy individual and i think that like that is the heart of the problem with dave ramsey oh yeah is that like so much that you know all jobs that you know pay a livable wage want you to have um a college education but they also want you to have experience well i don't mm-hmm. have the experience but i have the college education for this specific job and it's like well go get some experience well, i'm like can't get any experience because no one will hire me because they all want me to have experience exactly and plus i got debt to be here in the first place so exactly i think like it's just such a hot mess like it's just a huge hot mess um yeah and that's a bone to pick another time or yeah another time oh dear sweet listeners we love you so much um i want to give you this parting story because i don't think i've told amanda this Mm -hmm. either um oh boy i was on a dating app of course and one of the things that i have people's like one of my you know things that they can ask me i'm like ask me about my podcast and i'm 100 percent honest with them Mm -hmm. i literally tell them like hey you know my podcast is called dear god what the hell we talk about like the toxic theologies and teachings of the white evangelical church from like our own personal experiences we're not there to call anybody out we're just there to open people's eyes to you know things that could be toxic and in ways in which we want to see them improve blah 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 blah. so um most of the reactions i've gotten have been very very positive you know like oh my god that's me mm-hmm. like that actually sounds like something i'd be interested in i'm gonna have to like give it a follow give it a listen yes thank you um yes and then this one guy was like so do you not like any Christian teachings? I'm like, oh no. Uh, so oh, let, me, no. let me see exactly what he said. Because I remember this being something that I was just like, oh no, this is, this is, oh, that's what we're going to do today. Are we going to fight? Like that kind of thing. Like, are, are we going to argue? Because I'm ready to throw down with this. Hopefully he didn't unmatch me. He didn't. Okay. Let me see. Mm-hmm. Um, he, yeah. So I, I basically said like the same thing. I already told you that. This is what it's about. And he's like, LOL, period. What's your biggest gripe? I'm <laughs> like, I have quite a few. I specifically went into shame culture. And he's like, do you reject, dislike all Christian doctrine and teachings or just specific ones? I'm like, oh, oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, no. And it's such a oh, bummer because no. his profile song is Tune Out by The Format. And that's such a good song. Oh, that is... Man, I miss the format. Me too. But yes, so dear listeners, know that um, I promote us on dating apps and so far positive reviews. So 
If you could also rate, review, and subscribe specifically on Apple Podcasts, we would really, really appreciate it. Yes, please. And follow us <laughs> on Instagram and Twitter at Dear God WTH. Bingo, bingo. And if you tweet at us, Christina will probably reply. If you Instagram us, I will probably reply. Although you never know, you could get one or the other of us. Amanda has we'll a always fancy let photo you know. editing tool for Instagram. So, all right, Anything. everyone, thank you again for listening. We love you all. Yes, this has been Dear God. What the hell? Bye. Bye.